Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus, the leading podcast focused on transformation and change in the higher education space. On today's episode, we speak with Carissa Little, who is Associate Dean of Global and Online Education at Stanford University. Joined with Carissa is Roni Shiloh, who is Managing Director of Program Strategy and Development at Stanford University. Carissa, Roni, and podcast host Amrita Lawalia discuss enhancing clarity and cohesion for learners and institutions by establishing common taxonomies that streamline the credentialing experience. Roni and Carissa, welcome to the Illumination Podcast. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're live in Washington, D.C. Uh, we're at the Upsia Acro Convergence Conference. And you guys have done some really interesting work as it relates to creating a, an institution-wide or at least a, a broad approach to, to micro-credentials and non, non-degree credentialing. Mm-hmm. What inspired the team at SCPD to develop and launch the Stanford Credential Framework? Yeah, I think coming out of the massive open and online courses era, there was a proliferation of digital documents being issued, not just at Stanford, but in other places for various types of learning experiences. And Stanford had a a handful of committees, I was on two of them, who were looking into um, what should the university be doing to rationalize our longstanding um, non-credit offerings and kind of take on um, thinking about what this new MOOC era means for credentials. So that was the catalyst for it. And we actually spent the better part of two years going around the university in partnership with the university registrar, meeting with every school um, and all of the units that had substantial activity to make sure that anything that we did Um, incorporated their perspectives, their learning experiences and programmatic activity in a way that made sense for the institution. And I think the key to that was what we learned was how important it was to relate what we were doing to credit because Mm. that was to degrees and credit because that's an understood um, framework that already existed. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, because there were so many different types of credentials being issued by different entities across campus, and Stanford is a very, very decentralized place, um, we wanted to have kind of a rationale and some kind of organizing framework that would allow, first and foremost, the learners to make sense of (laughs) what they are getting and and why they're getting uh, different things, but also for for the institution kind of thinking about, about the different units, how do they relate to each other? How do we make sense of Um, different uh, types of documents that are being issued across the campus and not degrade the value of these um, from the learner's perspective so that we don't have a situation where one unit is issuing, you know, something that's very advanced for something that a different unit would issue uh, a much uh, kind of lower level type of credential. Absolutely. I mean, the work around creating common taxonomies is so valuable because at the the end of the day, it it speaks to employer valuation, student valuation, and the institution's own conception of what what different kinds of credentials mean. Mm -hmm. Did you find that folks on campus were sort of ready and willing to undertake this process or to to get involved with this process? Or what did it really take to create buy-in for the framework? I mean, it took two years Mm -hmm. of shuttle diplomacy and So running around campus, meeting with many different stakeholders, 
iterating and incorporating their feedback into the thinking, coming back to them and saying, does this resonate? Does it work for you? And I think one of the keys with where we landed with the framework and getting it sort of approved by the faculty senate subcommittees was this process, but also ensuring that the schools and departments had some level of autonomy within the, some guideposts for each level of the framework so that they could determine their own levels of rigor and assessment within some, some guideposts. I think because universities are so decentralized, the notion that this is something that could have school and department level controls versus a centralized entity set of controls has been really important. I also think that providing toolkits to make it easy for units to do the right thing to come and ask the questions. So far, we've had lots of interest across the institution where some administrative unit is trying to do something on behalf of a faculty member, and they just want to know what the right thing to do is and have right. a tool to do it. So we haven't really faced resistance, I would say. In the beginning, there was maybe some resistance when the perception was that there would be some top-down thing that everybody would have to conform to, and it wouldn't provide, you know, to school um, school level autonomy and flexibility. So built into the framework is some flexibility around requirements at each level. You were very involved in that, Ronnie. Do you want to add anything? Yeah, we tried very hard to look at what are some of the um, ways to reflect rigor. So as a whole, the the framework follows and kind of increase level of rigor as you get through different types of credentials. So there is a credential that's called a certificate of completion, a certificate of achievement, a perfect. So with every kind of step in this on this ladder, you uh, you require or the university requires more rigor. Mm -hmm. But different schools may think of rigor in different ways. So for or different uh, departments right. or faculty. So it could be that there is a, a very uh, important for it might be very important for a particular school to say we uh, don't think rigor can be achieved without contact direct contact with faculty members impossible so we are going to assign that kind of activity a very high huh. uh, value in our thinking about it and whereas another school might say no for us it's about number of learning hours and the types of assessments that are being used so of course there is a lot of commonality in what schools in the end right. think about, but, but, but we've tried to, uh, to provide that level of flexibility. And I think that gave school a much, a, a much higher level of comfort in adopting the framework. That's so interesting. And for what it's worth, I appreciated clarification on shuttle diplomacy because yeah. what I heard was shovel diplomacy, <laughs> which I have to assume would be very different. Yes, that would be very different. <laughs> so, <laughs> so within, uh, now that the, the framework is live, what have been some of the early wins that, that you've seen since, since launching it? And how do you expect to, to see the framework evolve maybe over the next five or so years? Yeah, that's a great question. So... I think some big wins have been that we have a lot of folks coming to us asking us, hey, I want to do a thing. What's the right credential to issue? And we haven't experienced any resistance to the advice and guidance that wow. we're providing. Uh, not everyone is coming to us, right? Sure. It's, it's, you know, sort of I'm sure people are still printing things out at their desk and issuing documents. It happens, right? 
but at all institutions, but mm-hmm. but those that have come forward, we haven't faced resistance because it makes sense. It's a rational framework. It 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 is transparent to the learner. And once we walk through those items, it's important. I think the next phase for us, so we've already um, we just recently implemented issuing all of these on the blockchain, and there Ooh. are some learning outcomes that are associated with these credentials, I think making that more robust in terms of describing better to the learner and ultimately to employers, uh, the more detail behind that, potentially having e-portfolios be associated with certain levels of the credential framework would be some future goals that we might have. Yeah, I think another um, future um, aspiration that we have the credential does allow for stackability and pathways between uh, non-credit activities yeah. and credit-bearing activities. So that's built into the framework. However, it has not been adopted at Stanford in the sense that there, it's, it's not currently happening, in, right. at least not in a robust way. Right. And yeah. so that certainly for us is a goal. Again, the framework has kind of was, was uh, visionary and forward-facing in that it, it definitely allows for that, but it's not actually happening. So mm-hmm. um, I certainly hope that we'll be able to see more examples of where we, we can kind of cross cross that um, threshold and, and allow for, for credits uh, to be issued for non-credit, what currently is non-credit-bearing mm-hmm. experiences. Well, I, and I think there's, some, there's something to the, the building something that the institution can grow into as opposed to building something and then needing to evolve right. it actively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, creating a level of comfort with a common taxonomy doesn't necessarily, like, there, there isn't a need for stackability today, but the fact that it can grow into something stackable means as folks get comfortable with the first phase, the second phase is accessible yeah. to them. Yeah. That's, that is a really exciting option. I, I am curious, you mentioned that um, the, the credentials are blockchain managed. You obviously a, a longtime partnership uh, with Modern Campus at SCPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, BC Diploma is supporting some of the digital credentialing work you're doing. How are those partnerships helping to streamline the work that's happening around the credential framework? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, we, you know, even though we were issuing digital documents previously, it's all automated now through our partnership with Modern Campus and BC Diploma has been fantastic. I think the other piece is that um, the learners themselves now have ownership over their records. So they can post them on LinkedIn. They can send their employer directly to that Um, badge or credential, the employer can click on it and get more detail about what it is, what it means. So the learner owns their record. I don't think learners appreciate yet how important that is, although they appreciate being able to post it on their LinkedIn and have it be verified on the blockchain. But that that's part of our, you know, future goal is building out in a more robust way, those learning outcomes, they're there, but we wanna build them out in a more robust way so that employers and learners get even more out of those um, digital credentials. Absolutely. You know what kind of, what interests me when we start talking about the learner experience, especially as it relates to learner-owned, credit, learner-owned credentials and learning records, is for the learner themselves, they, they see it as a standard experience right like in in almost every other industry they've worked to figure out how to make the consumer really the the owner of their experience the owner of the record being able to manage their own record and Mm -hmm. you know if you're working with uh say and you know an airline is a perfect example um 
it would be unconscionable if you had to get a receipt to then call yeah, or right. to, to go to an office. <laughs> yeah. But in higher education, we're very comfortable creating that experience for our learners. So mm -hmm. I've always wondered, you know, when you think about that, those elements of efficiency, those elements of, of streamlining the student experience, how much of it do they actually recognize? And how much of it is just critical to deliver as, as part of meeting their expectations? Mm, that's a great question. I think it's the latter. Um, and I think that institutions like Stanford are held to an even higher mm -hmm. um, set of expectations from learners. Like, of course you should be able to do this because United Airlines can do it, so you should be able to do it too, yeah. right? Um, all that said, I, th I think that the, the technology stack that institutions of higher ed have to navigate in these very decentralized environments it, it's difficult to make all of that work well and seamlessly for students, right. um, which is why our partnership with Modern Campus and BC Diploma have been essential to us being able to, you know, for many parts of our learning journey for students to, to make it a better um, experience. Yeah, I think one thing uh, kind of tying this notion of the digital <clears throat> badging and credentialing to the question of uh, adoption of the framework across campus, I feel like we're at some kind of an inflection point across campus where um, groups that previously were happy printing a certificate you know, out of their desk, the learners don't want that anymore. They want the <laughs> yeah. badge, they want yeah. the, the digital credential. And so mm -hmm. suddenly we, ha we are seeing, and I think we're gonna see a lot more of it, groups from across campus coming to us and say, can you help us you know, with the issuing mm -hmm. of this credential. And what that does is it does, I think over time will really help us align if we kind of take advantage of this opportunity, align the entire campus um, with the framework because really now, now um, or the, the other thing that could happen is, it, is this also could become decentralized where now different units establish their own relationships with a variety of vendors and, mm -hmm. uh, and we'll see uh, kind of uh, a decentralized approach evolve. So I, I do think there's like a moment here that um, it'll be interesting to see how, um, how uh, it unfolds. Well, I mean, it's certainly a fascinating time and, uh, you know, I'm excited to keep up with you guys and see how it continues to evolve. Uh, it more or less does it on my end. And I will tell you, this is the, the part of the interview where we switch switch gears a little bit mm -hmm. uh, from being a, a higher ed podcast to a food podcast. Okay. So if someone's out to dinner in Palo Alto, where do they need to go? So I would say Itan. Itan is an Indian fusion restaurant that is stellar. It um, the environment is stellar. The food is super creative. Um, you get sort of somewhat traditional Indian dishes with a very dramatic twist. Like you might get mm. octopus in like grilled octopus in with cumin and uh, Indian spices, or you might take like a traditional Indian bread and stuff it with something that's like completely non-traditional. It's cool. incredible. Their cocktails are also excellent and very creative. So that would be my pick. So I actually surprisingly live in Maryland. Uh, so I have not uh, okay. <laughs> gone out to dinner in Palo Alto for quite a while. But um, if I, I'm assuming in 
in or around Baltimore? Uh, well, around D.C. I, oh, okay. I live in Rockville, yeah. So, so if someone's going to dinner in D.C. or Rockville, where do they need to <laughs> so go? My, one of my favorite places in D.C. is uh, Le Diplomat, which is uh, kind oh, yeah. of a French. Uh, it's a very, has a lot of atmosphere to it, like really looks like a French restaurant, bistro, and r very good food. So they have very good seafood and, uh, and just a great atmosphere. Fantastic. Well, guys, hey, I appreciate you taking time out of your conference. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Absolutely. This podcast is made possible by a partnership between Modern Campus and The Evolution. The Modern Campus Engagement Platform powers solutions for non-traditional student management, web content management, catalog and curriculum management, student engagement and development, conversational text messaging, career pathways, and campus maps and virtual tours. The result, innovative institutions can create learner-to-earner life cycle that engages modern learners for life, while providing modern administrators with the tools needed to streamline workflows and drive high efficiency. To learn more and to find out how to modernize your campus, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.